This is the Modern Pathfinder, a podcast about forging your own path. Well, hello, it's Wes with Modern Pathfinder. I have a very, very special guest today, one of my dearest and closest friends, Joanna. How are we doing, Joanna? We're doing well. We're doing blessed. <laughs> Welcome to the Pathfinder. So I'm going to give a little introduction just so our listeners know who you are. Um, and this is courtesy of you. This is your writing. So I just want to want to clarify that. So, <laughs> so Joanna Steffel is the owner of Beautifully Chaotic Mamas, a transformational and healing coaching business. In her work, she looks at archetypes and uses a wide variety of healing modalities to help her clients to move from a chaotic stress life to a grace-filled and fulfilling life of their dreams. As part fairy godmother, preacher, storyteller, shamanic astrologer, and healer, Joanna brings in the comforting and nurturing energies of the Divine Mothers to her community through channeled messages and healing meditations. Joanna also is a practitioner of union and narrative therapies, feminist and liberation theologian. I can't speak today. (laughs) And a heart-centered thought leader. Today, we're going to cover some different stories about Joanna's journey on becoming a Catholic mystic and learning about the role of divine feminine in her life. Sorry about the screw up in the intro. I'm telling you, that's one of the strongest intros um, that, I mean, that's, that's such a big, 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 amazing story, truthfully. Yeah, just in that itself, right? What? Well, I have to thank you for saying and reading it so beautifully. I appreciate it. Um, it makes me feel very seen and, and heard and what beauty I'm bringing into the world. Um, first and foremost, I kind of just want to say happy uh, belated spring equinox to you and all of your listeners. Thank you. You as well. And, and um, happy start of airy season. Um, so when I woke up this morning and I was getting ready, I was like, oh my goodness. I didn't even realize that the like, energies of equinox and Aries was written into what I was bringing forward today. So uh, I just wanted to tell your listeners a little bit about equinox magic and Aries magic before we jump in. So equinox is the time of the year where there's balance between the light and the darkness. We have the same amount of light in the, uh, the during the day and the same amount of darkness in the, uh, day and night. So there's definitely a, a a theme of balancing act going on in the stories that I'll be sharing. And then this energy of Aries. Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. It is a fire sign. It really is the like trailblazer of the Zodiac. And I really love the episode where you were talking about your mom and that trailblazing energy. And I really think you doing this podcast and really feel that you're with doing this podcast, that you're being a trailblazer. And it's hard. It's hard out there for trailblazers. Oh, for sure. So we're going to bring that energy in. So I have a little bit of breakdown of like what I'm going to be talking about. I want to start on talking about how Wes and I have, how our paths have crossed. Um, Then I will go into talking about my spiritual seeking origin story. And finally, we're going to talk about the origin story of Beautifully Chaotic Mama. I'm just going to put a caveat out here. None of this is in chronological order, but I'm constructing my narrative in a way that I want to 
because it feels like it flows better that way. So any comments, questions before we jump in? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, your journey speaks to a lot of my own. I think there's some, some similarities in how we've both started to grow in a spiritual sense. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing what, what we got. I mean, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so let's start with the meeting of the besties. Uh-oh. So <laughs> there's some stories here. <laughs> one, one of which we may not go into. Uh, <laughs> I think you know which one's on. Yeah, I do. Uh, um, so Wes's counterpart on uh, secondary characters, Patricia, is um, actually both of our best friends. <laughs> that's true. Statement. And that's how we met was through her. Um, <laughs> and it was very, I, I had heard so many stories about Wes over the years. And I was like, oh man, I was real nervous to meet you because <laughs> I was like, mm, like, yeah, how how am I going to match up? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've heard things that weren't so great either. <laughs> no, I heard great things. I heard great things. <laughs> That's not a good. So laugh. when I so when we first from when we first met at Tempo, I was just like, okay, we did a little bit of kind of. I felt like sizing each other up. And then, like, within moments, you just went into your sassy, sarcastic, beautiful energy um, that, like, you really showcased on secondary characters. And I was like, oh, man, I, I can take this. I can take this. And I was like, okay. And, and then I kind of melted into who, who I am and made some sort of, like, deadpan comment. And you caught on. I was like, okay, he gets me. Yep. <laughs> and then we did a change of venue and went to the Cheesecake Factory. And we were getting drinks there because Tempo didn't have drinks. And so when we were there, you started to dive in and talking about, because at the time you were living in Utah, you were talking about Mormonism. And I was like, oh my gosh, like here's this completely other side. And you were very like pensive and really thoughtful and really like well-researched and knew what you were talking about. You taught me somebody who uh, took, uh, you know, was taking, um, in undergrad, I took a minor in theology. I was like, man, he knows so much more than I do about this content area. So I really like that you're doing both of these, is showcasing both of these sides of West that I really love and adore about you. So I just really wanted to honor you in that. I appreciate that. You know, I, I have a fascination with um, faith, um, theology, all of that. I've, I've always been that way. I think a lot of that has to do with my own self-discovery, to be quite honest, that I've never truly found somewhere to fit in. So I've constantly been searching um, for something to make sense that works for me. Um, and so that's, I mean, it's all just a, a road down this path, and this is where Pathfinder comes into play. Well, and I think that some of the best conversations that we had about faith and spirituality was a lot of times when we would just like go out and it'd be just the two of us and really be under under the moon and in creation. And so I've been listening and catching up on Pathfinder and been communing with the moon and communing with you. So I just wanted to I appreciate share that. that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. So oh and I love the I love the origin stories. Those are like bedtime stories. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um I'm getting a lot of positive receptive feedback around those. And for me that's 
uh, I'm a huge audiobook listener, and I I feel like I connect more when there's a narrative being told. Yeah. And and that's just something. That's just how I connect. So, so you, you talked about earlier. Um, you went to school for theology. Um, so, how did you go down that route? Because um, I know you grew up Catholic. How did all that kind of meld in together? Yeah. So I tell people that I was born, raised, educated, and steeped in the tradition of Catholicism. The only time that I did not have education. Um, in Catholic instruction was during high school. So I went to two different Catholic universities. I went to parochial school K through eight. Um, so I really gained a lot of love and honoring of the tradition, but then also saw a lot of hypocrisy in the tradition. And so um, I will be talking about the Catholic church in a very like, paradoxical way of like how I have this great love for it and then this also this great kind of hate for some of the things that are happening within it and so um I would say like growing up and particularly through the K through eight maybe about seven because about eight I started getting the rebellious streak. exactly <laughs> um that I you know I, I just kind of accepted things by blind faith and like this was true because this was told by wisdom teachers you know whether that be parents family members my teachers at school so I kind of accepted it but then once about eighth grade happened um some really religious trauma was starting to wake me up happening within within me um globally at that point a lot of the stuff with pedophilia was coming out and I really just was like, this is disgusting. This is horrible. Somebody who I had put on a pedestal, you know, priests are doing something that is completely wrong and against what what I've been taught. Um, and then on the local level, we were um, looking at building a $4 million church that we could not afford. Um, and there was some really shady shit that was going around that. And I was like, I can't, you know the priest that we had at the time, every single sermon was about giving money to church. And I remember sitting in the pew of being like, I could do better. I could do better. I could actually feed this flock better. <laughs> so eventually, I ended up, <laughs> you know, once I went to Siena, I ended up uh, in that preacher role. In the preacher role. So also during this time in about eighth grade, I wasn't finding myself in the Trinity. You know, it's all masculine. Um, and there was really a lot of just limiting stories in in there of what it was to be female within the church. And I really was rubbing up against patriarchy at this time. And I was like, you know, we're all made in the image of God, or that's what we're told. But when you don't see yourself in that image of God, it's really hard just like, I feel like that's where the crumble kind of starts to happen. And I think too, for a lot of people, I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it. You know, to really step back and, and look at that from the outside, you realize that only the white male, white cis male has a place within that. I mean, there's no representation anywhere else. And it's hard for people to connect with something that they don't see themselves in. You know, for, like, especially with me, like, I mean, with my queerness, I'm not going to 
say, oh, that doesn't have anything to play into that, right? And so I can see how you would feel there. And I, I agree. I mean, the walls start to crumble. It's one one little rock at a time, truly. Yeah. And, I, you know, one of, one of my college courses that we looked at the, like, representation of mother – oh, sorry, Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. So that was my alarm for us when we were to do our original. <laughs> I love how um, you – I'm going to leave this in because the <laughs> calmness you had with Alexa – my friend. She's my mom. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so back to back to this college course. We really were looking at Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene, and I will not. I choose not to call <laughs> Mother Mary the Virgin Mary anymore. Um, we'll get a little bit into that in a minute, but like it's it's this piece of like you're called up to this chaste place that you you know, are never touched by a man <laughs> and that's, if you can be that way. Or you, if, if you um, are sexually active, then you are Mary Magdalene, you're yeah. a prostitute. And there's no, there's no story in between. And, you know, when I came into my, you know, sexual awakening, it's like now, now I'm betraying God because I don't prescribe to certain. Yeah certain dogma, I guess, or whatever. I guess it's not even dog. It's doctrine, not dogma. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get our terms so, it, We promise. Yeah, well, and the thing is, is that the difference between the two is the doctrine is, is kind of man-made and dogma is from, from, from the heavens. And there's very little dogma, a lot of doctrine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> right? Right? And so I had a real hard time with this term of virgin and really this overlay of like chastity isn't really what it's about. Virgin really means about completeness and wholeness unto its, itself, you know, and then I say itself because it can be masculine or feminine. And really when I learned this was when I looked at it in a new context, looked outside of my tradition, looked into the, the Hindu tradition and looking at the goddess poverty. And she, she, she had a Christed child too, um, which was Lord Ganesh. And she just by her pure imagination brought him into being. No, no need for man. No need. She, she didn't need no man. <laughs> No, no need for no man for that. And so as I learned what this definition of virginity being or virgin being whole and complete unto itself, it really helped me in saying, okay, no, really, I am. I am a virgin in that kind of sense that I can draw on that wholeness and completeness of myself. And I have creations that I have done that are solely mine that I can be very proud of. Um, and I say, you know, when I was talking about Lord Ganesh being a Christ, that's a thing too. I think a lot of people think that like Jesus Christ, his last name is Christ. That's not the case. <laughs> Christ just means enlightened. So he, he's one of many that are enlightened beings that have come to this earth to enlighten us. And so 
that's something that I've also picked up on the journey of searching. Yeah, I think labels matter, you know, and um, it seems a lot of times and, you know, I've said this on the podcast before, but this is not a bash on any specific religion. But I feel nowadays we like to religions like to claim things as their own and they like to take it and run with it. And if you go against anything against that, you know, you're going to be considered, you know, heretic. Well, and I don't even, yeah, and I, I wanted to address that heretic piece. It's like, no, like we have traditions that, I mean, even in the Jewish tradition, it really was highlighted for you to seek and to question and to read the signs of the time and incorporate those those sacred texts and bring them into the present moment. And so, like, I don't know where it kind of got lost in the Christian faith, because I feel like it's a big problem in the Christian faith of this not questioning that. I mean, even in the early Catholic church, there was a lot of questioning and coming into your own knowledge, but it's like, and maybe it's something that happened with, you know, like the reformation and the schism. I was, schism. Just, I was just about to say, I think, it was, I think it was Martin Luther. They were like, yeah, no, we're not going to be doing this anymore. Let's put the right, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. You know? And so, you know, you made a comment in one of your podcasts about like how things have kind of gotten watered down. And I feel like there, the sense of like blind faith is really actually freaking dangerous. It's really dangerous. And, it, you know, that that's giving the power and control over in a way that's just not like we have it within ourselves to know what is right and wrong. And what is right and wrong for us may not be right and wrong for somebody else. Right. And, you know, the scariest thing for institutions, I've said this before, is when we have uh, the ability to control ourselves. You know, a lot of people, especially white men, hate that. They hate when other people have the ability to control their own lives. You know, so it's just it's how it is. Speaking of, speaking of institutions, let's like dive into my, my – <laughs> Yeah. Institutions yeah. of education. Um, yeah, so you, I, before we get started on that, Joanna, can you tell us exactly your where you with your degrees and what that looks like, or do you kind of yeah? Work in so I have I have an undergrad um, from Siena Heights University in psych with a major in psych and a minor in religious studies, and then I beautifully Patty led me to the program at Loyola. Uh, University of Chicago, and my degree there is called pastoral counseling. And when I say that, people are like, eyes glaze over, they have no clue. They <laughs> think that I'm like a minister. I kind of am, but not really, not in the traditional sense. Um, <laughs> really what I say, like pastoral counseling is a spiritually integrative approach to counseling. So it's bringing back in what Freud because Freud was like, there's no need for religion, no need for faith, yeah. you know. Um, and that's where that piece of the Jungian stuff comes in, because he had a lot of um, reverence for faith and the collective unconscious, and I could go on and on about Jung, but <laughs> we did a little bit on the, on the, the previous podcast on uh, secondary characters. So that's where, that's my background um, education-wise. And I really wanted to share about what happened when I ended up at Siena and then what happened when I moved to um, Loyola. So 
So when I first, I had mentioned that I like kind of stepped away from the church educationally in high school, but I also was very upset about what was going on in the church um, when I was in eighth grade. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done going to church on a regular basis. I'm done buying into that system. I didn't lose my faith in God, didn't lose my faith in, in life, but I did lose faith in the church. And so I walked away. And when I moved to Siena, I don't know, you've been to Siena, right, Wes? Yeah. I mean, like when I walked on the grounds the first time, I knew I was in a holy place. I knew I was in a sacred place. Like there's just something there. <laughs> I, did, I did not have that experience because I was so brainwashed at that time. So I, mm. I didn't experience any of that. Yeah. When I was so there. when I walked, I, you know, I, I resisted the call. You know, you were talking about the call the other day. I resisted. And then my other place hey, fell through. So the last, yeah. the last 15 seconds, it cut out. Oh, so okay. from resisted the call. Oh, so I resisted the call to go to Siena and, you know, I, I needed that kind of detour. I think everything in divine planning, I probably would have not met Patty in the way that I did if I went a year earlier so I transferred to Siena, and when I did, I had a roommate who was Catholic, who was very much similar to me, and in all the ways. She came from a small community in Ohio, like, all these ways, and she invited me to go to church with her. I was like, man, I haven't gone in a while, but I kind of had this excitement in myself. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go. You know, I can try it, see how it is, see if it feels like home, and boy, did it. I can remember the homily like yesterday. It was about St. Dominic. It was about a dream that St. Dominic's mom had when she was pregnant with him. And it was about this, this dog who had a torch in his mouth. And it was burning all of these fields. She didn't have any fear. And really what it was about was this sense of trailblazing and that he was going to be spreading the word of God on fire. And I was like, holy crap, like, I'm home. Like, I'm home. And it just was so beautiful to come back into my faith. It's like, this is what I've been missing the last, like, five plus years. Um, and so <laughs> there, there's a little bit of a break in the story because I ended up having this great, awesome experience. And then, like, the next day I broke my leg and had to leave Seattle. And so it really just broke my heart. But during that time that I was um, recuperating, I was like, I have this fire. I need to keep this, this flame burning. And so I really took to study. I took to reading the Bible, being in prayer. And those was not practices that I had had um, at all. So this place of Siena really felt like a big, like, feminine holding space to welcome me back into connection with the Divine Father. And um, I have to share, too, about Siena, um, why it's named Siena. It's named after St. Catherine of Siena, and she's a Dominican associate, which, which means that she 
prescribed to the Dominican spirituality, but she never took any vows. She never took vows of poverty or chastity, all of that. She's a really badass saint. She's what's considered one of the four doc, uh, female doctors of the church, which means that she was really pivotal in continuing the faith. She actually pulled, like pretty much pulled the Pope by the ear and said, you're not in the rightful seat. You need to be in Rome. You're in France. You need to be in Rome. Stop, you know, fucking around. Get back, <laughs> get back here, you know? And so she's just a really beautiful person. And one of my favorite quotes from her is, be who you're meant to be and you will set the world on fire. And that's, that's something that I take with me as, as something that I pulls me through every day. If I'm just who I'm meant to be, the world will be set by, on fire by my actions and my words. Wow, what a powerful statement. Yeah. And so, so much of believing in this Dominican spirituality, you know, I gained that in my years at Siena, that my final year there, I too became an Adrian Dominican uh, associate. And so part of the spirituality of um, the Dominican sisters, their motto is to seek truth, make peace, and reverence life. And so that also is just in the vein of everything that I do and everything that I am in, in, in creating this world that I, is a, of a better place. I also have taken the pillars of community, of service, of study and prayer and bringing that into my own spirituality. So that I, during this time, I got this reconnection with the Divine Father, and then also just like feeling like, amongst all of these sisters who are really progressive in the faith, I mean, there's sisters who are up at Adrian who have all the training, are just waiting for women's ordination to open up. Also, they, you know, every November, they take a bus of kids, you know, students and sisters down to Georgia to, um, I think it's Fort Briggs, to protest the closing of the School of Americas or WINSAC because they changed the name, but not with the program of what they were doing. And this, and what they were doing is bringing in people from Latin America and training them in terrorist techniques and allowing them to go back to their communities and slaughter their communities. So, you know, they're progressive in that sense. Sienna also at one point in time did the vagina monologues and there was a lot of backlash. And the sister who is the president, she was like, no, this may be um, offensive to some, but these are stories that need to be heard. These are stories that need to be expressed and we need to actually sit here and listen to them. So, like, I just was, like, loving them, sister. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds like the um, the faith that I think is what faith is supposed to be, where we're a, we're a part of the community and, you know, we're not, like, the police of the community. Like, we're not out here to judge everything. We're out here to be a part of it. We don't necessarily need to agree with everything that's going on, but that's not why we're here. That's That's really a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah, and so I took this progressive spirit and this, like, beauty and you know i had a mentor and she warned me because i was going to loyola and she's like oh like dominicans and, and jesuits 
not always the best combination. But she's like, bring your Dominican spirit. Just don't back down. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. And here's the juxtaposition. Okay, so so Loyola University is a Jesuit institution. And what is the Jesuit? They're the Society of Jesus. It is the only, I think the only order, religious order, that doesn't have a female order. It's only men. It's only men. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. They are also the only order that gets their orders directly from the Pope. So they pledge a a vow to service to the Pope. So they're a little bit hardcore, a little bit, (laughs) yeah, a little more patriarchal leaning. But I met some really great, I will put this out there, the younger Jesuits, they are very in a progressive spirit. And I met some really great um, brothers in my program. Um, So, and St. Ignatius does have some beautiful spirit to him. He did do a little ripping off of St. Catherine of Siena. Um, One of his favorite quotes is just, set the world on fire. I'm like, "Mm, you kind of took from the moment that made it your own. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was the intent. No, no. But I, me and him, we're tight. Me and Iggy got, we, you know, the people who are in the know, Iggy, they call him Iggy, we're tight. I, but at first I was like, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> for my sister. Um, and so during my time at Loyola, I was bringing this like feminine presence in of like in the church. And I, there were times when I was rubbing up against that, like, there's not a place for you here. There's not a place for this, like progressiveness. There's not a place for this um, feminine leadership. So as I just like kept being in that space and learning more about the Ignatian spirituality, I did gain some things that really, hit home for me. And one of them that I carry with me that I've woven into the fabric of my spirituality is seeing God in all things, all things, not just the things that are pretty, not just the things that make you feel good, but also seeing God in the pain and suffering. Additionally, I also, the idea of St. Ignatius of times of consolation in your face and desolation. So consolation means like this is where you really feel on fire for your faith, really fire on life, really like feeling like, yay. And it's really easy to be faithful and inspired in that energy. But when, when times of desolation where you feel like really closed off and like, there's no, like there's no God, there is no, um, there's no will to live. There's also lessons to be learned there that actually it's this dance that the two of them do that if we only, only had consolation, life would, would not be fulfilling. If we only had desolation, life wouldn't be. fulfilling. So at this point, so at Loyola, what, what did anything, I, I know you went up against a lot of the, the, the patriarchal, you know, ness of Loyola. Did that journey in Loyola, it, it strengthen you from a spiritual perspective or was it something that, you you struggled with chicago's a rough place chicago is a rough place um it's interesting because i like i when i was at loyola i went to like three different catholic churches on a pretty regular basis 
And at certain times I ended up hitting a point of like, this is no longer my community. And also part of the journey, once I was at Loyola, I started to look outside my tradition. So shortly before I left Siena, um, one of our professors had a guest speaker come who was a Catholic Buddhist. That's what he, he identified as. And whereas Buddhism isn't necessarily a faith, it's more of a philosophy. And so that you can bring information from that, that learning back into any tradition, whether it be Catholic, whether it be Muslim, whether it be um, Jewish tradition. So while I kind of took that with me when I went to Loyola and realized that, like, I was meant to be seeking truth outside of the borders of my own tradition. And so that's really where the goddess path journey came in for me, because as I like stated before, I wasn't seeing the divine feminine really within the church. Like there's Mother Mary, but she's like a secondary, almost like a secondary character. She's not equal with, you know, with God. Even though if it wasn't for her saying yes, we wouldn't have Christ. So we wouldn't have Jesus, you know. Right. So it, it took me a little bit of journeying away from my tradition to come back to um, a healed relationship with Mother Mary, a healed relationship with Mother or Mary Magdalene. But I needed to see my face. I needed to see my face. And I saw them in all these goddesses that I started to learn about. So as I'm like going to church on Sunday, I'm reading about this goddess and having goddess ceremonies on Saturday. You know, like I, I'm doing this like dance between the divine masculine, the divine feminine. And for a while, it wasn't, um, there wasn't really a match there. I um, I remember the first time that I kind of outed myself as like, well, I'm Catholic. I've grown up, but I also have this like pagan side of me too. And I don't know how to marry the two together. And the way that I have is through the mystic piece, the sense of truth seeking that isn't bound by any organization that I can have in a spirituality outside of um, a structure. Don't get me wrong. The structure is beautiful. And some people really need that too um, because they can't create the structure for themselves. Now, now that I've done some of my exploring, I've like, now I've come to my own structure of, of my own faith. Yeah. That's, that's such a deep and powerful way to look at it. And I think for a lot of people, they get wrapped up into like, I have to follow this specific tradition and not so much creating their own. That comes back to the choices thing we talked about earlier, right? Like, yeah. Some people, you know, they struggle with, you know, being in control over their own spirituality, you know, to, just to bring this up for two seconds, not to go off on a tangent, but the amount of hate I receive um, on Facebook and Instagram from the Christian faith tradition is it's immensely. I've, I've never had any pagan or, or a Jew or, you know, some, somebody else ever attacked me on here. It's always Christians. And I, and I wonder why that is, you know, that's where I start to say, well, I don't feel like I belong in this tradition at all. Like I don't even want to associate myself with Jesus at all, because if this is what's being harbored, I don't want anything to do with that. 
Well, and I can fully appreciate that. And, you know, that was part of my struggle, too, of, like, how can these things be done in the name of Jesus? And really not working on my relationship, my personal relationship with Jesus and really tapping into Christ consciousness and really seeing that people have just like hijacked it. Like they've really hijacked it. And I think that that's a lot what, where I can still have this love for the church or love for the faith and realize that there's many people who prescribe to the same thing that are not in alignment with me. And I can still have a love for the things that I love in spite of all of this that's in disagreement. And, and I, you know, it's not me condoning their actions. It's me saying that this, this truth is higher and more beautiful than what anything that a man can try to taint it. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, but that was the struggle. Like, that was the struggle. That's how I, where I've come in my own faith development. Remind me when we get off the call that I have a good um, book for you on faith development. Yes. Um, I'm always in the the mood for a book. Right. Well, here's another book that I wanted to bring up about this dance. Um, And we've been talking about, like, that call to action, that kind of journeying. Um, I don't know. Do you have any experience with Joseph Campbell? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So he is uh, somebody who really talks about the myth. He has what's called a monomyth, which is this kind of structure that everybody goes through. And it's like 17 stages. And every journey has these things and you kind of go through it. And some of it's like the obstacles and then getting the reward and any type of good story that you have walks you through this. <laughs> you have to do a little digging to find where the pieces fit in. But two of the really main ones that I want to talk about today are what you have seen in my journey. So the first one is the meeting with the goddess and really coming into an uh, embodied faith. Really coming into the understanding of what it means to be human. The goddess is very much um, earth-centric, based in the embodiment on the earth. And it's hard as, as a female to say, okay, well, if we wipe out all of the like earth-based traditions, we wipe all of the goddess traditions out, like then we don't see ourselves. Whereas, like, the masculine, divine masculine is very much skyward, very much towards um, towards the heavens. I mean, even in, in uh, I'm going to go again, we're going to talk about genitalia. And even in our genitalia, like, the female's genitalia points down towards the earth, the masculine points towards the heavens. So, like, it's part of the thing that's really missing, and that's why the rise of patriarchy has happened is because we've done away with the goddess tradition and having an equalness of both the earth and and the spiritual side of ourselves. Yeah, I mean that's pagan 101. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> exactly. It's it's very much the balance between the masculine and feminine and I think I think you're right. When we got rid of, you know, the goddess, it's it was it was all I don't want to say downhill, but it was all 
Uh, that's where the troubles began because, you know, you can't yeah. have just a half a wheel. You need the whole wheel. Exactly. Well, and this is the thing that I find about the divine feminine, even within the Catholic church, especially Catholic church. I think Martin Luther took it a little bit further and even distanced it even more. The goddess wasn't gone completely. She just went hidden. She just went, you know, inward and, you know, you know, there's, you know, so many um, rituals and practices honoring Mother Mary, which is the goddess, you know, worship, we'll put that in quotes, um, that was happening beforehand. And then as I, like, learned more and more about the goddess past, I started to see, like, St. Bridget, oh, she was really a goddess. And so the church, like, kind of commandeered her and said, okay, well, for us to convert people to us, we'll change her into a saint. She's still worthy, but she's not, you know, we bring her down. We drop her down a little bit of a level. Um, she's also a nice, fiery, fiery goddess. <laughs> Bridget. And so, there, so there's this piece of the meeting with the goddess. And then the other stage that I wanted to highlight is the atonement with the father. And this is really looking and reflecting on your path and coming back to the divine masculine. And for me, you know, right now we're in the Catholic faith, we're in the season of Lent. And this is really a reflection period of time of really looking at the places where we've just kind of missed the mark. And, you know, I don't buy into the sin motif anymore of like, I'm completely horrible and horribly need to be punished for my missteps. I really look at coming into alignment. So I know that there are times and places where I'm out of alignment and when I'm in alignment. And it's a lot easier to shift back and forth when you, we release the shame and guilt that the Catholics like to bring. <laughs> yeah, though they, that, for sure they do. And that's the piece of like, you know, I had a hard time a lot working within the sacrament of confession. Um, and now that I've like looked at other traditions, like looking at the Hawaiian tradition, and there's a practice called Honoponono, which is you walk through and you, you say, please forgive me for the, or I'm sorry is the first step. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. And that's really helped me in this. Like, I'm not above, you know, having a place where I have a misstep. I can recognize when I have a misstep but I don't need to go in a shame and guilt cycle to get me to come back into alignment. I need to have recognition. I have, I need to, you know, ask for that forgiveness, say that I'm sorry and come back to a place of love. So that's really been really beautiful um, practice for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the idea of sin, um, it doesn't make sense to me to begin with. Um, because I don't understand why a, a creator would create something just to punish because they're not in line. Like that whole that whole myth doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, maybe this is something you can talk about offline as I go to your website. I think it's something that we could Palace. do a part two. Yeah, we could do a part two on. <laughs> it because um, it it brings back this whole idea that I'm an inherently a bad person because I'm always going to screw up. Yeah, I always feel that everybody's inherently a good person. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, but that's what that's what the te that's what they want you to feel. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I mean, I don't, 
I could go rail on and on and on and on and on. But this is not about me. It's about Joanna. Go ahead, Joanna. <laughs> so, well, we've done we've done a lot of covering of Joanna, and now I really want to bring in where my path crossed with chaos, um, the beautiful goddess of chaos, and how she has become my muse um, for my business. Who is this uh, goddess of chaos? Goddess of chaos. You know, I I'm gonna jump down in my notes and say. I'm a PR agent for chaos. She really gets a bad rep. Um, and when I really found out the story, you know, going to the Greek, Greek myth, then I was like, Oh my gosh, she's mother. She's mother. She's the birth of the universe of the cosmos. And we, we say, you know, we use the word, my life is so chaotic. Well, yes, damn well it is. You know, what chaos really is, is this void. It's formless. It doesn't have any structure. It's just this really place of infinite potential. And so, you know, what problem would we have as humans? We love order. We love structure. And so when we can't relax into that void then it feels really frenetic and like we're trying to grab at straws and trying to make something known out of the unknown. And we try to hurry the process because of our uncomfortability. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm just soaking in that. I think, you know, I, before I would have attributed chaos to a negative feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have that. It's not that way anymore for me. I believe nature is chaotic and it's, and it's meant to be that way. Um, and I, there's so much beauty in that, you know, you, you speak about, um, you know, the beginning of the universe was chaos. Um, but look what came of that. I think that exactly. it's the journey. It is, it is. And so here's how she came into my journey. Uh, so back in 2017 in November, I was sitting in Union Station, headed back here to where now I'm currently residing in Ohio, back to my family, and I was just living in a land of unknown. I didn't know where I wanted to, to live. Part of me wanted to be back living here in Ohio. Part of me wanted to stay in Chicago. I had just left a really toxic relationship. I was working in an unfulfilling job where I wasn't getting paid my worth. I wasn't feeling supported by my supervisor. I really wasn't doing the work that I wanted to be doing in the world. And so I had this kind of like longing for hometown and longing for family. And then also not wanting to live in the city and leave my friends like you and Pat and Patty. Um, so during this time, and always self-discovery time, I was listening to a summit that my goddess mentor, Simon Canal, was guest starring on. And I was listening to a few of hers and others. And one of them was about, like, just witnessing beauty. So bringing that kind of energy of that Ignatian spirituality of, like, seeing God in all things. Could I see beauty in all things? Even where my life had felt so chaotic could I come to see that there was still something very beautiful and I was like hot damn yes I can (laughs) then also layering in I you know I had such admiration and um, 
just great teaching from, from my mentor. And I was like, she had a similar background. She was in secular psych and then transitioned into this. I was like, why couldn't I be, do exactly what my mentor's doing? Because it's exactly what I wanted to do. It sounded so much better than, I didn't want the structure and the safety nets that a therapist had. I didn't want an ethics board. They didn't have to do diagnosing. I didn't want to have to, you know, contact insurance companies. I wanted to just get in there and do the work. You know, I really wanted to do the life coaching bit. And so just in listening to her, it's like, yes, I can acknowledge my life feels really chaotic right now. But can I see this beautifulness and this this name, this muse, beautifully chaotic came through? Wow. I, I would consider that a, a, a divine um, intervention in a sense. Oh, for sure. Or like a, self, sure. a self-realization or something. I mean, sitting in a sitting at Union Station and sometimes it only takes a couple words to spark change. Oof. So true. And that's, I mean, that's the path of chaos too. Change. Change is really hard for people. And I think that that's part of what your podcast is doing is it's making people to look at themselves if they so choose, right? Right. And see where things need to change. Like, I know that you're talking about that you're not here to convert people, but you are here to hold up a mirror to people. Yeah. You are here to say, hey, look at yourself. Look at this. Is it still true for you? Is it not? You're not yeah. saying that I want to make you the choice for you, but you are making them look in the in the glass. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, you know, I I've been reading the book Forty Eight Laws of Power. I don't know if you've ever. This is more. Of a, I've not. This, it's more of a leadership book, but you know, it talks about um, true leaders um, forge paths. Um, you know, leaders don't need to follow. A, a prescribed route that they make their own and it's going to be brambly. It's going to be stones and sticks. And I truly feel like I'm, I'm on that right now um, from like my own journey and it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I didn't realize that um, people um, don't love themselves enough to, you know, they would rather attack. Like that's where I'm really, I'm still, I'm honestly still flabbergasted by it because like I said in the podcast before, which you had a moment at union station where you had that experience of change in the divine. I'm still searching for that because I've had that once before too. And that's what this mm-hmm. is about. You know, how do we continue down this path to find that for anybody? It can be anything for anybody. Right. Exactly. You know, like you said, you, you found it in the fields of, um, was it Iraq or Afghanistan? I was, I was out in Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan. And, and, you know, and I found it in unionization. You know, it can happen in the craziest places and the simplest of places. So, you know, that's, yeah, I, I share a quick story just about connection in that experience. I was recently downstairs in my basement. I was going through some stuff and I, I pulled out, I have a military trunk and I pulled out some of my stuff and I realized there had a bunch of sand all over it. And so oh. I had this immense feeling of calmness when it touched my hand. But I, that was one of the patches I was wearing in that situation. 
Mm. So it's, Ooh. yeah, it was, it was a deep, it was a deep experience. And that's kind of what's propelling that propelled me to keep going to the podcast. Um, over the last, I've been struggling over the last couple, couple days, but I'm obviously I'm in a good spot now, but I just, that moment, it was a sign, you know, it was, I felt like, you know, something was telling me, you know, this is the moment you've been, you've been chasing. Yes. That's amazing. Not to get off topic. I love getting off topic. I love it too. No, it's so beautiful. And, you know, those moments happen, right? It's that, it's that piece of like when you maybe feel like faithless or feel not on fire for your faith, then something like that comes along and just reignites it again. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of circle that back to the nation or the nation spirituality. So then I kind of wanted to wrap up with this piece of finding a new trinity. And that for me was once I started to move into um, honoring the moon and her cycles. And so this triple goddess, there's three parts. And this is three parts of what it means to be a woman, but also, you know, it's not just assigned to gender. But there's this, this inner child, this maiden stage that we start with then it moves into the fullness of of like the full moon of motherhood and then the final stage of the crone um where as you're like starting to lessen in your light and become returned to the earth and so this triple goddess has come in <clears throat> into being part of my structure of my business you know i have three different pillars of my business. The first one is play is really getting people connected back into the funness of life, the play of life and really working on healing the inner child. Then the, the middle pillar of my business is that of self care of mothering, self mothering, self fathering, self parenting. Um, and really looking at the mother and father wounds in that, in that pillar. And then finally, the last is embracing chaos, chaos for its true form. Um, and that's really the wisdom piece, the crone piece, really knowing um, some different ways to help sustain your journey to continue on. And the beautiful thing is that we can tap into any of these three forms of the goddess, of the triple goddess, at any stage. So right now I'm in the traditional age of motherhood because um, I'm still in my bearing years, but I still have access to my, my younger self. I still have access to wisdom. So that's something that's really beautiful. And maybe next time we can break down and go more into the triple goddess. Um, so I wanted to also include a part of where the mama's piece comes in. <laughs> so originally I really thought that I was just going to focus on working with women and mothers, um, which I do work with a lot of them, but my guides have really helped me to expand this definition of mamas because I am working with men too, um, who are attracted to that goddess energy. And so um, right around when COVID broke out, I had the opportunity to do some Facebook lives in a community um, for one of my mentors, Corinne Grillo. And it births what I've been doing now. <laughs> I've been doing these bi-weekly, what are called mm, sessions. 
and their Facebook lives where I draw cards and I do channeled messages from Mother Mary, Grandmother Moon, and Mother Earth, which these are the three mothers who have really helped sustain me. Wow. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the mama's portion of that. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I thought that I was going to just focus on working with new moms. Um, I do have a big heart space for new moms who are trying to find their identity of mother without, because, you know, you're tra- transitioning from this maiden stage into this mother stage. And not, and I really feel bad for those people who become the, the mommy martyrs where like I lose my whole sense of identity to this role. This is only one facet of you as being a mother. Right. You know, I, if I remember correctly, this is a, is this a, a Wiccan? Uh, not, well, it's a pagan uh, uh, notion, right? The, the, the Trinity got the Trinity. Goddess. Oh yeah. The purple goddess. Yeah. It's a yeah. pagan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's, you know, like, the moon is one form of the triple goddess. Uh, Bridget is also a form of the triple goddess. Right, she has right. different, three different bases. And so there are, um, from different, you know, different traditions, there are different um, triple goddesses there for you to follow that pattern. Like I said, if, if you get some interest, we can dive deeper in, in talking about that on another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, some of the books I've been reading over the last couple of days have centered around uh, Wicca and um, paganism to to fully understand, you know, because that's one area that I was very unfamiliar with. And I picked up a book and they started going in about um, the, the gentleman was talking about the goddess and he was just flat out blunt. Like, it's going to feel awkward because you're not used to talking about women in, in, in from in a divinity perspective. And he goes, but you know, it's, it's, it's a part of the wheel, you know, and it's, it's some powerful reading. I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Well, and I think that the more that people, I mean, the rise of the goddesses is coming, you know, is on its way. And the more that people are having conversations of that and bringing forward these wisdom traditions and, and really witnessing, I think that's going to bring the healing between the sexes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think queerness has something to play in that as well. I think, um, you know, the divine have a reason um, for what they do. And I think that, you know, there there could be some glue. hate to say that, gay, you know, gay people are glue, but I think there's a – that bridges a gap for a lot of people too. I've talked to a well, lot – I've talked to a lot of masculine, you know, guys who are afraid to even talk about, um, you know – feminine anything and then you know i'm having conversations with them and they open up i mean that's i think that's like it's like a bridge well that's part of your gift Wes, is that like you you unabashedly can tap into your own feminine um just because that's part of your makeup oh absolutely and to show that there's nothing wrong with that you know that's a big problem that we have in this world, and that's where that toxic masculinity is, is that, you know, the masculine is divine, not only de- uh, denying the feminine externally, but they're divining, de- uh, <laughs> denying it internally. I can't talk. Is your name Wesley? I, no. But I think as we come back and witness that, that, 
that everyone has the divine masculine, the divine feminine within them, and that they can exercise it in whatever way that they want in these really beautiful ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the other day I was, um, yesterday I was sitting at work and I, I was having this moment of just like all these masculine, you know, it just, it was in my face, you know, just how people were acting and talking. And then I just was like, Oh, I need to take a break. So I go out into the hallway and I open my phone and you were sitting in a, in a park and it was like, Oh yeah. And on your Facebook live or Instagram live, or whatever you want. And it just brought me so much peace. So I think, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that brings up a really good point though. It's like, you know, it, technology doesn't limit, um, it, energies right so you can send energies through <laughs> through any medium because and you know I, I i felt your presence through that and i think that aids for what you do with your business right that you can still achieve a goal through a digital perspective um and it still works you don't have to be well, face to face right well and you can reach so many people in that way and I will say this about energy. Like, it's not bound by space or time. And so, you know, right. you found that you found that because I did that, that, that live yesterday um, for the celebration of Equinox. But if somebody would come across that video way later when it's not in the energy of spring Equinox, it's still, they can still have the energy of spring Equinox come to them. And maybe that's the moment where they need hope or that's the moment that they need to find balance. I always believe in divine timing and order of everything. Mm -hmm. Like even us coming in onto this podcast, like we both, we both planned and both wanted this to happen earlier. The cosmos had a different idea. They wanted to put me through a detox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. And I'll save you all the crazy details about that. But I needed to have that energy alignment with the equinox and with Aries season to come into this. And I was like, you know, I, I say there's no coincidences, only synchronicities, and uh, you know the stars aligned for us for us to meet today. And I, you know, to to go even a little bit further, that as I was listening into the um, modern um, Pathfinder backlog like catalog, <laughs> okay, yeah. I just love that you've been putting all these beautiful videos out or you know audios out. Um, I really want to touch on that lens thing. Because this really just feeds into my higher offer that I want to share with your community. Does that oh, sound good? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the ways that I've used different lenses and talking about energy, I look at the chakra system. And so some people may know what that means. Some people may not know what that means. The chakras are energy centers that are housed within our body. So they're both physical and have an energetic component. And so there, there are seven um, basic ones within uh, our body. They start from the tailbone all the way up to the crown of your head. And um, they're just like different levels of consciousness, too. So they have their own like lessons, their own lens to be looking at the world through. And we talked a little bit about guilt and shame. That's housed in our... Um, second chakra, the, the sacral chakra. And so, you know, if you're having issues with relationships or creative blocks and all, and things like that, you have um, something going on in your sacral chakra. 
So that's just a little bit of a taste of what, what could be going on there. So last year, when COVID broke out, my guides were like, we want to co-create with you. Um, and also, like, throw back to one of your episodes, the importance of rest. And so they were like, we want you to create these videos. Create these videos. We don't care. Just keep creating them. Do it. Follow our guidance. It's going to be big. Even if it's not big this year, it's going to be big. <laughs> That's what they kept telling me. But what they were saying, what they were saying is, you know, we really needed to calm down and really learn how to breathe again because that was a lot of what was going on with with COVID. You know, it's attacking the lungs. That that's a place where there's a lot of grief. The more that we kind of get feared, the more that it was having an effect on people with the COVID. And so what they were saying is like, get people to relax and not be in the, the what I call the second virus, the fear virus going that was spreading through COVID. Yeah. And so I did a recording of a breath per chakra and I uploaded them on my social media uh, and I have traction. I've had people come through, but what they really are guiding me to do this year is to relaunch that and relaunch it during the same time of the year that I did last year, which was during Holy Week, which I was like, I didn't even realize it until I was halfway through. They're like, oh my gosh, this is Holy Week. So we will be starting with this um, take a breath challenge on March 29th and I'll run through April 4th. Um, in the show notes will be the uh, link to the page to sign up. All you have to do is enter your name and your email. And then I will be sending you a video or an email with a video in it daily. Um, so we're, walk we're walking through one breath for chakra. Uh, I say the creator, God source has given us seven basic chakras, seven days of the week, seven colors of the rainbow. You know, there's no coincidence there. <laughs> so we're really going to learn um, the journey of the rainbow within. And for those who are, go ahead, son. I love anything to do with the rainbow. I, me too. I just, <laughs> me wanted too. To, I just wanted to put that out into the airwaves. Yes. As, as a kiddo, I always said my favorite color was rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> as an adult, I say my favorite color is the rainbow. I love that. <laughs> So those that may be like, oh, this is kind of too woo-woo for me. I don't know anything about chakras, all of that. Um, there is scientific proof that biologically we have these seven um, clusters of nerves right where, you know, the the ancient people who who um, talk, taught and, and talked about the chakras there is a biological component to it. Also, if you know anything about psych, if you know about um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy needs, I would compare and contrast the chakra system to his. It seems eerily very similar. So, you know, I, I, I encourage to open open the mind a little bit, you know, wider and see what the um, I love that. Absolutely love that. And to, to, to also throw that out there in the show notes, there is going to be links to uh, beautifully chaotic mama's Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and then Joanna, you also have a private Facebook group. I do. I have a private Facebook group 
that's where you can get some like daily dosage of uh, Jojo Juju. Um, I do uh, a daily post to kind of thought contemplation type thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I think everyone needs something daily to, uh, to keep them yeah. motivated and to keep them going. I've had a blast uh, listening to your story. And, and I know the Pathfinder listeners are going to be looking forward to future episodes we're going to be doing together. There's a lot of stuff I want to pick your brain about. Um, there's a couple times during the podcast I wanted to just go off on a tangent. I tried to keep it together. <laughs> Write some notes down. Write some notes down oh, before we get off the call. <laughs> Mama, they are written. Okay. They have been written down. Um, and then we're going to be deep diving into other topics. Um, so, Joanna, what's give us some words of wisdom uh, and to get us signed out of here. And then uh, we'll be hearing from you, I'm sure, shortly. I just want to mm, just do my, my, my farewell that I always do. Um, and, and this is an honor of two great divine masculines in my life who um, really influenced my journey. So first and foremost, I sign off with peace, sending you out in peace into the world, peace on your soul, and then 10,000 blessings on you today and every day. Love that. All right, Pathfinder friends. Hopefully we're going to be recording another episode with my dear counterpart, my Deanna herself, Patrick, um, as we over the next couple of days. So look forward to that moving forward. But with that being said, we love you guys. Be blessed. And uh, we will talk to you soon.